Welcome to the latest episode of APPA's Public Power Now podcast. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Our guest today on this episode is Missy Henriksen, Executive Director for the Center for Energy Workforce Development, or CEWD. APPA recently rejoined CEWD as a member. Missy, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Paul. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. So, Missy, to get our conversation started, um, could you provide an overview of the CEWD and what resources it offers to member organizations? Sure. So CEWD is in its 16th year of operation, and really over that time, our mission hasn't changed. We are focused on ensuring a skilled, diverse energy workforce. Some of the issues and priorities have changed over that decade and a half, but ultimately our mission has remained the same. So over the past several years, the work we're doing in that area really falls under four goal areas or four different buckets. First of all is career awareness, making sure people understand the opportunities that exist in this industry. And sometimes that really comes with changing people's misperceptions. Um, I think, you know, years ago, everybody understood what utilities did. We were the, you know, the, the choice employer in town. But as the markets have changed, uh, opportunities have changed, what pe- people are really aware of these days, that's really vacillated and, and been altered a little bit. So a lot of work that's being done in that space, just a couple of examples, uh, bringing people's attention through virtual career events, such as our energy careers event that will take place in the spring a veterans recruiting event. Last year, we did a whole new website that answers all the questions about why work in this industry, the who, the what, the why, the when, and the how. Uh, Developed dozens of pieces of career collateral to help people understand the career paths. We have a piece for parents that talks about why this is a great opportunity for your child to pursue. Um, We have a a piece on myths and misperceptions. So a bunch of things in the career awareness space. Our second goal has to do with helping to ensure our workforce is diverse and people have the opportunities to work in uh, workplaces that are equitable and inclusive. So a lot of DEI activities, some of those types of um, programs and initiatives include pilots with minority serving institutions to learn how we can get our industry more at the forefront of the attention of graduating students, particularly engineers, particularly those with diverse backgrounds, communities of people who find themselves underrepresented in the industry today. One of the real highlights of some of the work we're doing in this area is our DEI roadmap for change, which I'd love to get into a little bit later through the course of our conversation. <clears throat> our third goal has to do with preparing people for increasingly dynamic and increasingly technical energy careers. The industry is obviously experiencing a lot of change over time. And so how we look at preparing students for the work environment they'll come into, as well as looking at the uh, people who are already in this work environment and how they may need to be reskilled or upskilled to keep current with all of the different opportunities and the continual evolution that seems to take place today. And then our fourth goal is what I always refer to as the everything else goal. And that's making sure that people who have workforce development responsibilities in their job function, whether they're in HR or workforce planning or DEI or operations or C-suite, that they have the tools and resources they need to prepare themselves in the world of workforce development. So that really equates to the the data and the best practices, the opportunity to learn from their peers, 
toolkits, resources. So all of those kind of things that really help prepare us as individuals. Those really make up the four goals that prioritize the work that we do to ensure that the industry has the skilled, diverse workforce that's so important. So um, in preparing for this interview, um, one of the things that jumped out at me on uh, CWD's website um, was the, the organization's 2022 work plan. So could you touch upon some of the primary issues that fall under that work plan? Sure. And, you know, I'm glad that some of those things really jumped out at you. I think so many of us would say there's probably no more exciting or important time to be involved in workforce development in the energy sector than right now, because there are so many, I don't know, opportunities and challenges and the stars all seem to be in alignment on so many different issues. So everything that we're doing in the workforce development space, again, really falls into one of those four buckets that I defined earlier. But some of the issues that are really commanding our attention are as follows. First of all, finding enough talent. Where are all these people going to be that need to, that can do the work that this industry requires? And that same statement is obviously true with so many businesses. There's probably not too many days you can go out about your life driving or going into restaurants, whatever it may be, and not see desperate signs for people needing to hire talent. This industry is no exception. One of the other kind of big issues that's defining our work has to do with DEI, and I alluded to that earlier. As we look at talent, we're also looking at those who can bring perspectives and leadership and voices and thoughts that have historically been underrepresented in this industry. So looking at finding talent in new locations with a new group of people that have so much to offer. So a lot of work in that area. Reskilling and upskilling, which I addressed as well as certain plants may be closing as the industry gets increasingly technical, how we can make sure that the workforce is really keeping up with all that's being asked of them. Decarbonization and the future of the energy workforce. What does our future hold? What does our future of work look like? And we are working on a variety of different projects in that area. In fact, one of the uh, new things that will be coming out soon is a report that we're working on in conjunction with the uh, with Deloitte and the American Gas Association and American Public Gas Association about what the future of work looks like in the natural gas space. Obviously, so many exciting opportunities for the workforce there. Next, and kind of related to skilling and upskilling, is training. As we look at modernized training, everything going digital uh, with AR and, and virtual reality, what does that mean for the industry? What new opportunities may present themselves? How can we make sure that those who are coming into our workforce are trained with some of the most modern practices so that they can learn at a rapid pace while always making sure that we're focused on safety as an industry. Partnerships with educators and community-based organizations who can support the future of our, work, our workforce. We're doing a lot of work in that area, looking at groups that work with um, communities of people that may really have natural entry points into this industry. And how can we identify the ways we can work together, the collaborations that may exist, so we can um, derive uh, partnerships that will help fuel that skilled and diverse energy workforce. And so you've touched upon diversity, uh, equity, inclusion, and I am 
So um, kind of drilling further down uh, on that topic, um, could you talk maybe uh, more specifically about the organization's work in that area? And, and you mentioned the roadmap for change, so maybe you could um, elaborate on that. Sure. The industry-wide DEI roadmap for for workforce change is one of the major hallmarks that CEWD will be undertaking over the next several years with all of our association partners. We have eight different association partners, including APPA. And rather than any of the industry organizations really operating in a vacuum and saying, here's the guidance we think should be offered to this industry in the DEI space. We're really bringing our organizations together to see how we can address some of the necessary changes, the necessary opportunities in this space together. Obviously, several organizations may, may be offering some of their own exciting and dynamic programming, but we've thought it could be best if we all put our heads together and really look at this issue through a macro lens. How can we be more successful together? The industry obviously has a history and and precedent and practices established in working together. When you look at at storm relief, um, so many different times uh, where we really pull everybody's thoughts and leadership and and expertise and hands-on together. This, This issue is important enough to do the same. So a couple of things we're doing here. First of all, again, the associations have all committed to a multi-year partnership. We started last fall by holding listening sessions to learn from companies in the industry where they are on their DE&I journey, what things they wish they could be doing better, what things they feel like they're doing pretty well. And those listening sessions gave us all kinds of data. They were fortunately uh, heavily attended by all different types of businesses within our industry, public power, IOUs, cooperative, public gas, contractors, everyone who came to the table saying, I want to make sure that my needs, my wins are all represented in how we move in the development of the roadmap. So armed with the data and the insights we learned, we are now putting together the actual roadmap that takes a look at about probably a dozen to 15 different high-level categories in the DEI space. And we will be crowdsourcing to gather some of the industry's best recommendations, ideas that have worked the best within their company. And then we'll be turning those into our recommended roadmap. So, for instance, I'll use recruiting diversity in the skilled trade positions as an example. That's something that has been warranted a lot of attention. Uh, What are companies doing that have really proved to be successful there? What partnerships have they done? I know of one company that's working on a cohort that's bringing all women together and they're helping them pass pre-employment tests. They are working together in obtaining their commercial driver's licenses. So lots of examples out there, but we really want to bring those forward with recommendations that everyone can learn from from one another on recruiting practices, retention practices, all the different things that are important in the the lanes of, of workforce development. Once that roadmap is published this year in 2022, All of the association partners and CEWD will be using the new roadmap to guide all of our education. So we'll develop a document. It's not meant to collect dust on anyone's shelf. It will be written in a way that's very user-friendly, a lot of brief information that people can use as thought 
idea, thought leadership ideas. But then again, we'll be taking that document and building out our educational programming as a result. So everything that's in that roadmap won't be left to companies to say, well, I wonder what's meant here. I wonder how I can implement this. We will be providing that education, that networking, the opportunities for people to really take deeper dives into what's intended through the roadmap. And then the last thing I'll mention about this is we obviously want to make sure that um, we've got metrics associated with this. So we look at where we stand as an industry now with some of our diversity data. And as we look at how we're moving forward as an industry over time, we will be able to use that as the baseline and hopefully we'll see those numbers grow in a really strong way. I should also mention IBEW is involved in the development of the roadmap itself. So it's another great example of the industry's full uh, team, all of those who are critical, all of the stakeholders coming together to make sure we're really prioritizing in DE&I and the development of action there. So, you know, as you know, APPA has a wide range of member utilities, uh, in particular, uh, you know, their, their sizes. Um, so what can smaller public power utilities do in terms of proactively addressing issues such as workforce uh, retention and recruitment? Yeah, it's and that's the, the magic uh, eight ball question, I think, these days. Where, where do these answers rest? I should mention I am not an HR professional, and I want to make sure anyone who's listening to this podcast doesn't say, oh, she missed some real basics here. I am not an HR specialist, but I have spent probably uh, eight years in the workforce development area, and obviously workforce development is part of HR, but there are people much smarter, much more experienced in the specific aspects of hiring for their companies and retaining people for their companies, but a couple comments to share. As it relates to bringing people in the door, a couple of things there. Um, Basics, starting relationships early. Middle school is such an important time to start developing and nurturing people's thoughts about their future. Those high school relationships are critical. Forming allegiances or partnerships with organizations in your community who can funnel that talent. Making sure you've got the structure that once people get there, um, they're going to be happy and, and feeling good about their choice. So having those structures in place, so through the onboarding, through the recruitment process, you can tell people about those things. HR professionals, again, will do a much better job elaborating those on those. What I can add to this conversation is the encouragement for companies to look outside of our own industry. Obviously, great examples to share here, and people should always look at what their peers are doing. But so many important steps in recruitment, I think, can come from those outside of our industry because that's our competition for talent. So for instance, um, what's happening in the the gig economy? What are people doing over there that we can learn from? Uh, One of my daughters called me from college and said, all my friends and I, we're going to become Instacart shoppers. And I thought, why in the world are they going to do that? Um, But they could get approved for this job in 24 hours. They filled everything out. They had a strong incentive of $400 if they got uh, friends of theirs to get involved. So it was appealing enough that they all decided to do this. And that's, you know, that's the competition. Uber driving now, Uber Eats, all of these things that have really become forces to be reckoned with. That's what people are weighing all of their career choices against. What can I get into immediately that will earn money for me and for my family? And 
what might give me the flexibility that I can also enjoy things that are important to me and my life, whether it's fishing, whether it's elder care, whether it's taking care of children, whatever their interests are. A lot of people, particularly nowadays, are really looking at that work-life balance. And so what can offer them what is appealing? And so again, that's why I'd suggest really looking at what other industries are doing, particularly those outside of energy, because that's your competition. Also on the recruiting front, and I say this with the ultimate respect, but making sure we are recruiting in a way that shows this is a pretty hip and modern and cool industry. I think a lot of people, and I addressed earlier, we have some materials on um, uh, myths and misperceptions about the industry. Some people probably would equate us to the, you know, the analogy of your, your father's Oldsmobile, your grandfather's Oldsmobile. We are not that. We are not the grandfather's Oldsmobile anymore. There are a lot of incredibly hip, modern, cool, exciting things. And we really have to promote those in a way that people will hear. And a lot of that goes to some good old fashioned PR, um, something maybe we haven't done as much as an industry in the recruiting stage, certainly on positioning the importance of the sector, the community service work that's done, all the values that we offer, um, messaging on uh, energy efficiency, but looking at some of those same tactics and positioning our workforce in that modern way as well. So using social media, I keep talking about the fact that uh, CEWD is going to start putting a toe and then a foot and then a leg and then all in into TikTok. Um, but that's where our workforce, particularly workforce of the future, the workforce of the next couple years, that's where they're coming from. And so helping to have them see our messaging, where they are, will pay dividends as it comes to recruiting. And the last thing I'd say probably on the recruiting side of things is promoting based on the values of what's important to people. And that's such a broad brush because there are so many things that are important, but having messages that speak to all of those things. So you want to earn a good living? We got you. Look at energy. You want to do work that's important and essential for the environment? We've got a great story to tell there. That's important to us as well. You want to be able to stay in your community. Very important for you all. Here's how uh, we do that. And here's why we help our neighbors and our friends each and every day with our work. Technology important to you. Talk about what's happening there because, you know, right now we're talking to the, the younger folks in the workforce. They've grown up with gamification as being a huge part of what excites them and how they spend their free time. So really connecting with different groups of people, different generations of the workforce based on their values as a, as a segment of society and making sure they see and feel themselves in how we're positioning ourselves as an industry. That's a lot to say in that space and hopefully that makes sense. But I think we as an industry really have some, some ground to cover there to really showcase all the excitement and going back to my earlier point, why there's probably no more exciting time to be part of the energy workforce than now. Great. So I was a little intrigued by your reference to TikTok. Any, uh, anything you can elaborate in terms of <laughs> what you guys are going to be doing on that? I got to admit, I'm, I've managed to avoid that myself um, at this point, um, but uh, yeah. it, it, for, for myself, but uh, yeah, I mean, any, uh, any additional details on that? 
Yeah, that's always a crowd pleaser, or at least a crowd uh, curiosity point. Um, our, we have an energy careers event that will be held in the spring, and it is designed to help. It's a virtual event. It's designed to help students and veterans, career seekers, career explorers learn more about this industry. And so we will be working with some uh, some folks that have a heavy social media presence, and they will be developing some TikToks for us to promote that event. We'll be looking at some of the metrics, including how much traffic it refers, um, a little bit about the people that are coming to learn more about our events, and using that as a baseline. And I think you'll start to see a much heavier TikTok presence from us in the future. Again, right now, we're starting out by hiring those that already have a strong following following, getting influencers to talk about your product or your business is such a huge, huge win because it's it's a person that already has strong influence over a group of followers. They believe in that person. They believe in what that person has to say. I'll give you an example there. Um, we didn't do it through TikTok. It was way old fashioned, but we did do, um, I worked in a, a uh, prior life with the pest management association. And our job was to basically say bugs are bad. Professionals are good. You should always hire a professional to take care of your property and your family's health and all those things. So we hired Bob Vila, uh, who's a noted DIYer is his former show, this old house. And he always was all about doing things yourself. Well, he, we hired him to talk about, you know, there's a lot of things you can do on your own. But when it comes to pest management, you really need to hire a professional because of all that's at stake. Well, in that, again, in that life, we had people contacting our office saying, well, Bob Vila said I should hire a professional. Can you give me some referrals? So obviously there was a whole program set up to, to follow up with what Bob Vila was, was saying to his followers, but it's, it speaks to the credibility he brings. Noted DIYer saying, hey, hire a professional. So that same kind of influence, those who have some kind of a following with people who seem like they would be ideal candidates to work in this industry, whether it's a group of rising engineers or people who we think would be ideal for the skilled trade positions or technical careers, we want those people to know about us. And one of the easiest ways to do that is by working with and through people they already know. Great. So, Missy, my final question for you is I wanted to just see if, if you had any um, thoughts on any emerging workforce issues for the energy sector um, that you wanted to highlight. You know, I think we've probably covered some of the emerging issues as we've looked at what's defining our 2022 work plan. Uh, those are the things that we've constantly pulse checked with various groups of our leadership and our volunteers, our members, to make sure that we have our eye on the what's keeping people up at night situations, what's really commanding their attention when they come to work each and every day. So there's there's probably two ways I would dig further into that. So the emerging issues, I'll use um, a, a couple of examples here. So there's two ways I think CEWD serves the industry. One is in the inside of the house. So that's how we help the workforce development professionals do their jobs better through, again, networking and tools and resources. And the other way is how we can aggregate the power of the industry so that we are that voice to career seekers, et cetera. So on that side, I'd say on the inside of the house, we have been working with, um, I guess back to your question about recruiting, working with industry practitioners on looking at new sources 
of high of hiring. Um, we've done a lot with uh, hiring from the neurodiverse community. We have to look at new new. You know, we can't just do the, the same way of, of recruiting and hiring that we've been doing for years. So many talented people um, that have some neurodiverse challenges. We'll use um, autism as an example. Incredibly loyal uh, professionals once they enter the workforce. But sometimes working with them or hiring them may be a little different. Um, when one program we did, someone was talking about hiring from the neurodiverse community, and they were talking about a, someone who had been really strongly recommended to them, but that person needed to stand when he did his interview, and he needed to wear a hoodie. He felt more comfortable and more safe with something around his head. They said, haven't done that before, but okay. Hired the person, phenomenal connections. So just, again, looking a little differently. Um, we are working with the National Urban League right now as one of the partnerships that I mentioned, looking at creating some pre-apprenticeship programs in different communities around the country um, that can hopefully help fuel some of those partnership opportunities, those entry points for careers. So again, one example on the inside, bringing education forward um, to encourage people to look at hiring differently. And then one example on the outside of forming some of these partnerships, but both getting at the objective of having a more diverse workforce. Um, so again, DEI, just a really critical topic because as we look at the shortage of labor, we have to be recruiting differently in this industry. So many people really suggest that they want their workforces to reflect the communities and customers they serve. So I think the DEI space is one we've only started to scratch the surface on, not necessarily an emerging issue, but one that we'll see increased attention in the years to come. I think also how we recruit people, how we make sure this industry is shiny and uh, we really put our best foot forward in doing that in a way that resonates with those people that really need to hear our messages is going to be critical, um, increasingly so. So I'd say that's probably another. And then I'd probably close out that answer by saying just the whole space of training, developing, upskilling, reskilling our people will continue to be an issue, but how we look at it, I think, is is changing. It's an emerging issue um, because, like so many things in life, it's everything's evolving in that space. And so, making sure we're keeping up with how people expect to be challenged, how they expect to be trained, how they expect to to grow in their jobs, I think all of those things will require increased attention. And something I know areas in which I think CEWD will be continuing to put additional muscle. Great. Well, Missy, thanks again so much for participating in our podcast. Um, we'd love to have you back um, to discuss, among other things, the Roadmap for Change once it's completed. I'm sure there's plenty that we can talk about just on that alone. Um, and just wanted to point out that APPA also offers a wide variety of workforce-related resources on its website. Go to APPA's webpage at publicpower.org and click on the workforce link under the topics bar. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now. Be sure to check out past episodes and learn more at publicpower.org slash podcast. Uh, the podcast comes to you from the American Public Power Association as approved by APPA Digital Content Director David Blaylock. I'm Paul Schimpoli, and we'll be back next week with more from the world of public power. Thanks.